0: 1, 5 through 10. Colossians 1, 5 through 10 reads, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before the word, before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who has made known to us your love in the spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God well good
1: morning Vine Street it's good to be here with you guys today thank you all so much for leading in worship this morning uh, I wasn't planning on getting wrecked, but that last song wrecked me. <laughs> when Jesus reaches out his infinite mercy to us, there is nothing better than that. And it's just thank you all so much for leading and worship on that. Um, again, my name is Ben Ward. I do serve at Southern and at Highview Baptist Church as their missions pastor. Um, and one of the things that I love to do uh, coming into churches that um, are here in the city is to just help us to think through how we as a church— And an individual sent in the pew can come together for the mission of God. So that's what I'm going to talk a little bit about today. But before that, you don't really know me, so I want to get to know you a little bit. I'm really uh, just really excited that Pastor Dan and Pastor Mike sent the invitation for me to come speak this morning um, and to lead in that. Um, But I've actually heard about Vine Street a long time before that. So back when my wife and I uh, moved here in 2011, ever since then, I've always heard about Vine Street. I've always heard about how sweet of a church it is and how good the people are. Um, I used to work with uh, uh, Ben Dockery, who used to serve here as pastor, and then, um, and then w- worked alongside Spencer Harmon, who used to serve here as pastor. And people actually got us confused all the time. There was actually a young man at Boyce came up and had a whole conversation with me before. I was like, who are you talking about? He's like, Spencer, don't you know me? I'm like, i Spencer. <laughs> so uh, so we've, I've always had some fun. Uh, with that. And then now that Dan's here, I used to go to school with Dan. And, um, you know, in an age of technology, I looked up a couple, of, uh, a couple of sermons from you, Pastor Mike, to see what to expect. And you're a good preacher, man. <laughs> uh, so you guys are blessed with great leadership here. And um, it's a blessing for me to be here to help serve you uh, as you get some baby time. So my wife and I, we have three kids. We have Judah, Ava, and Cora. And um, and I think God specially gives us that baby time to prepare us for the craziness that comes later. <laughs> so we have uh, our daughter; she's four now. But when she was three, uh, she is a powerful force of nature. And when she was three, she was screaming. Now, when she's happy, she's screaming. But she was screaming because she was angry, because she was hurting, because her finger was oh, it was just such pain. I was like, uh, I had my good dad shirt on that day. And so I ran up the stairs and I said, Ava, what does it matter? And she goes, my finger hurts. It was a lot louder than that, but I don't want to scream at you this morning. She goes, Daddy, my finger hurts. And again, I had my good dad shirt on. So I was like, well, baby, let me kiss it, make it better. That's what good dads do. And I said, okay, and so she was like, okay, kiss it, make it better, (laughs) I want that. And so I kissed that, made it better. And then I had my logical dad shirt on. I was like, okay, I need to fix this. What's the matter with her finger? So I said, sweetie, what is the matter with your finger? To so which she looked at me like straight into my soul. She said, Daddy, I pee-peed on it. I was like, what? <laughs> so let that be a lesson to you that you need to listen before you act. And I needed that special baby time because that day I wasn't feeling it. <laughs> but, uh, but we are uh, enjoying life with them as they're young, uh, and, and we're enjoying that. Um, but today as we, as we worship and as we get uh, into God's Word, I do want us to think about how we as individuals can get caught up into the mission of God. And that doesn't mean that your life changes. That your son- Monday morning is going to look the exact same for you tomorrow uh, if you hear this sermon or don't. Um, but, what, but what we're going to see in Colossians 1, 5-10 is that our posture changes towards the Lord and that allows us to get caught up into his mission, and that allows us to really participate in reaching out that infinite mercy that we talked about to other people's lives. So let's get started, and let's be encouraged and empowered to be on mission with Jesus. Um, I'm actually going to read a couple of verses of that text again. So Colossians 1, uh, starting there in 5. Of this you have heard before, of this, meaning the gospel, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing. It is also among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And then skip down there to verse 10. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit and increasing in the knowledge of God. Today, as we look at this passage, I really want us to see a flow of God's grace. It starts out as His story. Like, the gospel is God's story that He accomplishes in the world with or without us. It is His story. But by His grace, He invites us to make it our story. And so it's God's story, but then it becomes our story, and then it becomes the story that we share. That's the flow of God's grace that we're going to see through this starting off let's look at 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 god's story right there in verse 6 it says that it is all over the world bearing fruit and increasing this is the simple truth that we have this morning the gospel of jesus is conquering the world like that's plain and simple we believe in a message that 2.3 billion people also Believe in the greatest singular truth that anybody believes in in the entire world. We are celebrating this morning in worship. Now I'm a missions pastor, so I'm not here to clap us on the back and say, "Hey, we're done." No, I'm still. I'm saying like, "Let's go." The work is not finished. There still remains 6,700 unreached people groups that don't have a sustainable church in their in their community. We also have. Um, a ton of places that need renewal and revival as they believe the message, but it's been forgotten for a generation. There is a lot of work yet to be done, but that does not take away the fact that Jesus' message in the gospel of his life, death, and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins is conquering the world. It's God's story on display. What Jesus said in Matthew 13, 31 is coming true. The smallest of seeds in the mustard seed has been planted and over the course of the last 2,000 years of church history has become a mighty tree that even the birds can can rest their nest in. God's story is on display in this text. And what's fascinating, what I want to dig into is the language that God uses, I'm sorry, that Paul uses to talk about God's story. Look at it again. It says, In the whole world... It's bearing fruit and increasing. Now, this language should ring a bell for us because this is the language of God's original promise, original covenant that he gave all the way back in Genesis 1 with Adam and Eve. It's the language of the beginning of God's story. And so, back in Genesis one twenty-eight, he says, Be fruitful, multiply, increase. And what's the dominion? All over the world. This is the message in the covenant that he keeps putting back over and over again. Noah, Abraham, Israel, the promise of the new covenant. It's all there. Be fruitful, increase, multiply over all the world. God's story from the very beginning is coming true in Jesus. That's what Paul's saying here. This is God's story. let's look all the way back in Genesis 1 for a second to see how it's coming true what it means that God's story is coming true in Jesus back in Genesis 1 with Adam and Eve God gave Adam and Eve a mission he gave them a command he said that they were to be fruitful to spread God's glory he made them in the image of God they were supposed to represent him they were supposed to be the ones that spread his glory all across the world but they failed Genesis 3 you've read this Sin entered the world, and when sin entered the world, the mission of God spreading his fame also failed. They failed the mission that they were given. When sin entered the world now, every time that this promise is given, every time that God says you will bear fruit and you will multiply all over the world, there's a but to it. We say it in Noah. Noah was, God recreated the world through Noah and the flood, and yet Noah didn't follow him fully. And that, that story ends with a mixed bag of good and bad. Then we saw it again in Israel with the Exodus. They, he recreated a people for himself. They were going to be fruitful and they were going to multiply. And they were going to offer him sacrifices in the desert. But just a few days after that, they were like, Moses didn't show up. What are we going to do? We're going to build a golden calf. So it failed there. And then David and Solomon, the very, the very the brightest and the best picture of God's kingdom in the Old Testament. Even then, it ended in a kingdom divided. So no matter how many times people tried to fulfill the mission to bear fruit, to multiply, and to increase all over the world, it all ended in failure. But then, in Jeremiah 33, there's a a beautiful picture that comes, a a beautiful prophecy that comes. And he says, Behold, the days are coming... This is God speaking through Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming. Who will? I will fulfill my promise. And that's exactly what he does as he carries out through the image of his son, the Jesus, the one that was sent to save us from our sins. He is the image of God. Adam was the image of God. Jesus is the image of God. Hebrews 1.4 says he's the exact representation of God's character. Colossians 1.15, later in the chapter, said that he is the image of the visible God, the invisible made visible through the Son of God, Jesus. What's the reason that that's good news? What's the reason that God's story being fulfilled in Jesus is good news? Because where Adam and Israel failed, Jesus succeeded. When Adam and Israel failed, Jesus succeeded. Romans 5.14 says that he could... Paul calls pa- um, Adam a pa- sorry, Paul calls Adam a pattern of the one to come in Jesus. But where Je- but where Adam gave death, Jesus gives life. He not only wins, but he also gives that victory to us. Verse Corinthians 15:45 calls Jesus a last Adam. Picking up this story, picking up God's story from the very beginning that except when we failed Jesus succeeded. And that's what Paul is doing here in verse 6. The successful image of God preached the gospel of the kingdom and of his good news of this life, this death, this resurrection so that he can make things right all over the world. That is happening. It hasn't happened fully, but it is happening. And I feel like Somebody needs to hear that message this morning. I feel like when we gather on Sunday, when we take six days to work and we take that day of rest, we need to hear Jesus wins. Whatever you're going through, we're coming in through the doors for a refuge. And whatever that is for you, I think you need to hear, Paul thinks you need to hear, Jesus wins. Charles Spurgeon needed to hear that one time. Um, you may not know Charles Spurgeon, uh, but he was a famous Baptist preacher in the 1800s, and he spoke to thousands of people. Uh, he helped thousands of orphans, and uh, he, he was a sought-out leader of his day. But what you may not know about Charles Spurgeon is that he also suffered with sadness and depression constantly. It was a constant battle for him in his ministry. And one day he, he recounted about that when he was on his way home from a carriage ride and he was traveling down in the carriage and, and Spurgeon was, he was just, he was despondent. He was depressed. He was sad. And he was downcast in the spirit and the spirit spoke to him, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. And in that moment, and it wasn't a cure-all, but in that moment, Charles Spurgeon was able to Get out of his depression and to reach towards the great exchange that he is talking about here in Colossians. The great exchange where we can come in broken and leave with joy. We can come in hurt and leave with healing. We can come in with fear and leave with power. Whatever you come in for refuge, Jesus has that victory in his hand from the resurrection. And it was, it was as if that irony caught Spurgeon so by surprise that he actually, he actually burst out in laughter because it was as if his imagination grew wild and it was as if a little fish got thirsty drinking, going through the river and the river cried out, listen, I have enough water to give you strength. And it was as if a climber was going all the way up a mountain and at the very end had lost his breath. And he looked around and feared because he thought he was going he he to he breathe up all the oxygen. And the atmosphere looked around and said, breathe deeply. You've, we've got enough to go around. Charles Spurgeon got it that no matter what we bring to the Lord, his grace is way more sufficient than what you've got going on. And you are able to bring it to him. There is no, there is no problem too small that he won't listen to you. And there is no problem too big that He cannot help you. Jesus wins. And that's true for every member of Vine Street Baptist Church that comes in the doors this morning. Jesus wins. So whether you're going through needing forgiveness, we prayed through that and that psalm offers it. He does not account it towards your account. You can find healing your marriage isn't over. Your neighbor needs to hear. Whatever that is, Jesus wins. And God's story is one of victory. But what we're going to see next is that it's not only God's story that brings us into victory. It's his grace that invites us to participate with it. Listen to, listen to uh, six, uh, the last part of 6 through 8. So not only is God's story victorious, bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. I want us to notice in these, three, in these, in these verses three things that help us to walk in God's story, to help God's story become our story. All right, the first thing is that there's an invitation. It has grown in you since the day you heard it and appreciate God's grace or understands God's grace in its truth when we hear God's story he invites us by his grace to understand it and to participate in it there's an invitation to make that story your own as it also is among you what do you need to do to pick up that story Maybe it's, maybe it's to listen to somebody else and so to offer ministry of the Word to them. Maybe it's to uh, you know, develop deep friendships so that you can encourage one another. Whatever that is to you this morning, it is inv- you are invited to allow this to bear fruit among you. Not just, not just God's theoretical victory. This is victory in your life by His grace. So there's an invitation from the Gospel. The second thing we see in verse 7 is that there's a relationship. The gospel does not come in a vacuum. There is a time of life-on-life instruction. Look at verse 7. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Paul reminds us that the gospel is spread through a heartbeat. In Romans, Paul says that the gospel goes from faith to faith. You're a part of the equation of spreading the gospel, and somebody is a part of the equation of spreading the gospel into your heart. And it takes relationship. Romans 10, 14 reminds us of this. How can they believe if they have not heard? And how can they hear if they do not have a preacher? And how can they have a preacher if they are not sent? The truth is that people carry the gospel message. Epaphras carried it to the Colossians. But it was also in this relationship, it wasn't like it was brief. This wasn't just a like, drive-by gospel presentation. This wasn't a Epaphras coming in and dropping a gospel bomb and waving on the way out. This was a Epaphras being a faithful minister. The word here is servant. It's a reminder that the servant does everything that the master tells them to do. It reminds me of the Great Commission in Matthew 28 where Jesus tells them to go and make disciples and do what? Teach them all that I have commanded you. This isn't some brief relationship. This is a deep relationship. And it's a picture of deep discipleship, not brief evangelism. And so as we, as we look at this, we realize that there's that invitation, but then there's also that relationship. And when those things come together, it takes a response from you and from me. And that response, what they saw was that he reported back to Paul that he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. When that relationship comes, you have to respond back in love. And so if we want to grow in the gospel, we've got to have these three things. We've got to hear the gospel and be invited into the story. We've got to have that relationship to grow in, and then we have to respond back in love. And it's kind of like baking. My wife loves to bake, and I'm terrible at it. It's, so, it's like a science, man. You get that butter a little too melted, and it's gone. That cake is weird. And it's, it takes those three ingredients to make it. And if not, you're, you're making a crunchy cake and nobody wants a grumpy church member. <laughs> and that's the kind of response that we have to have. Growth can be cut off if we lose any of these ingredients. And so, are your ears closed to the gospel? Now, I know they're not closed right now. I don't see anybody asleep, I don't think. Um, but, but are they closed during the week? Do you make time for ministry of the Word with one another? Do you encourage each other through text? Do you encourage each other through phone calls? Do you encourage each other through any type of communication that is based and intentionally on the Word? Not just, hey, how'd the cards do this weekend? Oh, they didn't play. Oh, how'd the Vols do this weekend? I'm a Tennessee fan. We're terrible. Now, it's not just by the breeze. It's intentionally based on the Word of God. Are your ears Open to the Gospel have you entered into deep relationships with one another and there 's a priority of relationships if we want to be on mission together at Vine Street, we have got to prioritize relationships within this room and the people connected to this church that 's what God has called us to do and in that in a John seventeen way uh, where where Jesus prayed that the unity would prove to people that he was sent from the Father. You're going to bear fruit out of those deep relationships, but are you cultivating those? And then when you are cultivating those and things don't really work out all that great, or the, you, you start seeing each other's imperfections, do you still consistently respond in love like the Colossians did? So I invite a lot of young men into my home for discipleship. It's been a consistent pattern that we, uh, that we try to adopt at Highview um, that we've been doing for about three years now. And an inevitably, there's always two paths that young men come in. When they walk into my door, there's two types of young men that come in. The first type, well, honestly, both of them are super excited at the very beginning, right? It's easy to be excited about something new, right? When they walk into the door, everybody's excited. But then I begin to notice a difference. I notice the difference when we start to see each other's imperfections. When the rubber meets the road and I'm not all that, um, that they think that I am and they're not all that I think that they are, there's imperfections that come up there's a fork in the road. The first type of person, they double down. They do exactly what we see when God's story becomes our story. They, they, they double down on the gospel. They double down on relationship. And they double down on being committed to respond in love. But then the second type of person, they just can't go there. They, they set up barriers. And some of the barriers sound like, I'm struggling with this, but I'll be all right. And then they just kind of like, eh, nah, we don't talk about that, or we, um, or we get to a point where uh, we're meeting in a weekly pattern, but then something comes up. And it's like, hey, we've been doing this for three months. You knew it was gonna come, <laughs> like you knew it. You knew it was my house, Thursday at eight o'clock. Uh, well, yeah, something came up. What? You you knew this was coming, and they they they, they close off not only to the gospel but then to relationships. And then and then, at the very worst case scenario, um, they just walk away. And inevitably, those two types of people come up, and it's in this passage on what makes the difference in those two types of people, the people that persevere versus the people that peter out. The ones are they are open to the gospel, they respond to relationships in commitment to love. So by God's grace, he invites that his victorious story, we get to participate that, and he invites us to come into that. But then what we see in the very last part of this in verses 9 and 10 is that when God's story becomes our story, the, it's not done there. It flows through us to then become the story that we share. So look at verses 9 and 10. It says, And so from the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so it's to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verses 9 and 10 tells us that as we are filled up by God, it is for driving forward the gospel advance. As we are filled up by God, it is to be released to bear fruit and to grow. Gospel change is not just a one-time decision, right? Gospel change is a one-time change in direction. And in that journey, that is a long persevering journey. And Paul says that he is praying that they would be filled on that journey with all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they can bear fruit. There's two sides of this coin. You be filled so that you can then bear fruit. If you get one wrong or if you don't include the other, it's messed up. You're not doing it correctly. You are filled up so that you can then bear fruit. In that, in that little equation, I want us to see two things. The first is exactly what I said. We receive from God to be givers for God. And too often, we're imbalanced. Too often, we're all about input. Too often, we're all, or we're all about output. You know, so if you're all about input, you're like, oh, I'm going to listen to all the sermons. Man, I got Chandler, I got Platt, I got Keller. I got all of them there. Or I'm, all, I'm about all the Bible studies. Every time the church doors are open, boom checklist. I got that covered. Or you're all about output. I'm all about the mission trips. I'm all about the service projects. Whatever you need, I'm done. But the, pro- the problem is, is that if you do one without the other, so if you do all input and you don't have a release valve, you grow moldy. You start to stink. You get critical. You can get bitter. You sour. But if you do all the output without the input, you grow weak. You have no power. You have a form of godliness, but you deny its true power. Right here in, in verse 9, it says that we have to be filled. And then verse 10 says so that we can go bear fruit. So that's the first thing I want to notice. You've got to get the balance right. You've got to be filled and you've got to give. And it, and it takes relationship and interdependence to do that. The second thing I want us to see is that God's presence and His filling is way over the top over abundant. It is so much more than we need just like Charles Spurgeon thought earlier my grace is sufficient for you Paul says all wisdom and all understanding is available through prayer Lord uh, later Paul says that Jesus is the fullness of God we don't serve a halfway God you don't get just a little bit of the Lord you get all of him you get every ounce of his love You get it all. Ephesians 1 says that he gives every spiritual blessing to you in Christ. And so we serve an overabundant God and that allows us to persevere. That allows us, when we come in to take refuge here, that allows us to persevere. Because here, here's Psalm 37. That was a devotional of mine this week. But here's Psalm 37, 23. The Lord establishes our steps. So he knows exactly what you went through this week, because he established those steps. But listen to the second part of this verse. This is where I think we get it, or miss it. I think we get the first part of that verse. Yeah, okay, yeah, the Lord's in control. Listen to the second part of this verse. And the Lord delights in your way. He didn't do the things in your life to cause you strife. He did it to bring you close. He did it because he loves you. He delights in our way. You know, I told you that I have a one-year-old, and for some reason the last three weeks, she's not sleeping. So what do I do? I go in, and I carry her, and I let her scream in my face, and and then I let her calm down, and then I sing over her. And the Lord does the exact same thing to us. He sings over us until we're calm, and he brings us close to him. It's that type of love that fills us. And think about a garden for a second when the garden is filled with rain you don't have to you don't have to look at the tomatoes and go why won't you grow tomato <laughs> when the garden's filled with rain the the fruit grows and it's the exact same way with us when we are filled with the lord's spirit we bear fruit paul says we have to be filled to bear fruit so when you go out these doors after we take refuge in here and we go on mission with god you don't have to be qualified to bear fruit. So often we think like, oh, I'll go get this degree or I'll go through this class or I'll do this, I'll do that. And then I'll be qualified to bear fruit. Paul says we have to be filled to bear fruit. And so the only change you need for tomorrow is time with God in his word and in prayer. We don't have to change our circumstances. Like I said earlier, we have to change our posture. And we don't have to change our environment. We have to let the Lord change our atmosphere. So based on Colossians 1, 5 through 10, I've got five applications for you that I just want to end on. And the first one is, so this would be a great time to take notes if you want, but the first one is because Jesus wins, you can persevere in confidence. You can trust that you're going to bear fruit. It may be a dry season for you. It may be a hard season for you. But because Jesus wins, we can persevere in confidence. The second one is that because God's grace Your story isn't finished. We're all a mixed bag of good and bad. We are all coming in here in need of something. And because of God's grace, the gospel will bear fruit and increase in your life. Your story is not finished. The third thing that I want us to take away is that because God uses people like Epaphras, because because God uses people like you, we need to practice intentional hospitality and build deep friendships with one another. And I say practice for a reason. We're probably not good at it. <laughs> we, were, we were sick a few weeks back, and man, some, some cultures are really good at this. We had two international families that just loved on our family, and they just came over and they brought us groceries and did all this other stuff. And I was like, dang, I learned a little something about hospitality and friendship through them but I've got to practice it. (laughs) Because God uses people, practice hospitality and friendship. Because God fills us, enjoy His presence and take your time in the Word and in prayer. Man, in a busy culture and in a busy life, this can be hard to do, but God wants to fill you. Think about that for a second. The God that fills the oceans up deeper than the Mariana Trench wants to fill your heart with living water every morning. Man, dude, God is good. Take your time with that type of relationship. That was number four. Number five is the last one. Because Jesus wins and we bear fruit, invite others to church. Do it in a socially distanced way, but COVID cannot stop the gospel. We have an opportunity to participate with Jesus because he wins and he invites us to bear fruit. So invite people into this. This is a good thing. You got a good thing going here. You all are worshiping the one true living God that has invited you to participate with him because Jesus loves you enough to die for you and to offer you the forgiveness of sins. People want hope. And so because Jesus wins and he offers us to bear fruit, invite others to that type of community. We have the opportunity to take part of God's story, to make it our story, and then the story that we share. So as you go about tomorrow, let's participate with Vine Street together so that Jesus can be known in Louisville. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your love for us. We pray, Father, that you would move among us. Lord, we want to see your spirit move among Louisville. God, there's a lot of things going on in Louisville. And Lord, we know that your gospel is bearing fruit that's increasing and it has got hope for people. And so, Father, we pray that you would increase your people here in Louisville. God, the people that bow the knee, the people that, that confess with their tongue that Jesus saves. Father, we pray that that message would ring loud and clear through our hearts this coming week. Only you can do that when you fill us, Father. And so, Father, we pray, just as Paul prayed, that you would fill us in all wisdom and understanding, so that we can know your love for us and that we could shine for you in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please stand with us as we. Start.